Amen. You want to open to Psalm 19, where we're going to be. All right, so I'm going to start just by reviewing, um, and you've heard this before, but I'm just going to go ahead and kind of give a overview of the what we're doing here in this particular series on the basics, and we talked about how we can't hold the whole Bible in our mind, we don't have it memorized, and we work with summaries, and that's how our mind works, and we could just take things kind of as they come, which is how we do it in general, but thought it would be useful and helpful to think and try and distill some of the basics down to something memorable that we could carry with us compared it to a first aid kit. First aid kit is not exhaustive, it's not an ambulance, it's not a hospital, but it sure is helpful in your day-to-day life. 95% of the time you have a medical need, a band-aid, gauze, tweezers, ice pack, bandage will take care of it. And so even though um, this basic series isn't exhaustive, I think it can be helpful day-to-day and trying to equip you to equip others, whether that's kids or maybe even a new Christian. You have something that you can hold on and hold in your mind, carry with you wherever you go, and then also pass on to others. So that's the goal. And so we're on to the second of the question and answer format is how we're presenting it. And the first question just to review was, why did God make me? And the answer was to serve him to be like him, to be with him all my days. And now we're on to the second question, which is, what is God's word? What is God's word? And the answer, we went over all the verses last week, where, again, just a reminder that each one of these answers is either a combination of verses, a paraphrase of verses, or something like some combination of those, or a paraphrase of a single verse. So the answer to what is God's word, and last week we looked at all the verses where this came from, was God's word is bread because it feeds us. It's a mirror because it reveals us. It's a path because it guides us. And it's honey because it delights us. So I'm going to go over that one more time. God's word is bread because it feeds us. It's a mirror because it reveals us. It's a path because it guides us, and it's honey because it delights us. So, like I said, we went over those verses last week, and we're just going to go a little bit deeper and kind of apply those concepts this week. And we're going to do it from Psalm 19. So let's read that together. And really, this whole psalm is kind of broken into two sections before I start. It's broken into God's Word that created and all the things that God's word created. And then the second half is God's word in terms of the Bible. And so we're going to really focus on the second half today, but we might as well read the whole psalm here. It's not very long. Let's read Psalm 19 together. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving its chamber, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More are they to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. 
In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What a privilege we really have to have this Bible in our hands. I read an account, I may have shared this before, I can't really remember, but I read an account of a guy in England who came into the doctor and he was blind. And they asked some questions and they determined that he was blind because of his diet. And he ate mainly Twinkies and potato chips. And he actually went blind. And the reality is, is how sad. <laughs> He's starving, basically. And it cost him his sight because he fed on things that were no good. No vitamins. Vitamin deficiency. And really for us, in many ways, it's a good picture of the American church, right? That we have the ability to get all the nutrients we need. We have access unparalleled, you know, to the Bible, to all the spiritual food we need. And yet, are we eating it? You know, and it's a good parable too in the sense that it's a true story, but, you know, the result is blindness, right? In In both cases, you know, if we don't feed, we don't nourish our bodies, we don't grow spiritually on his word, we will end up blind when we could have, when it, we could have seen, you know. And so the first, you know, what is God's word? God's word is bread because it feeds us. We, we looked at some of the verses on that last week. And let's look in Psalm 19 where you see some of the same ideas. It doesn't say bread, um, it, but it has all these same ideas. I like some, the reason I chose Psalm 19 is it has almost all these ideas, basically all four of these ideas tied in here together. And so I just thought it would be a good place to look um, and if you, you know, missed last week, you could go back and look in some of those verses, or I could give you a copy of the, of the verses from last week. But, but let's look at some of these here. Start in, uh, just read Psalm 19, verse 7 to start. Psalm 19, 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So the two real pieces here in this verse that I really feel like bring out what bread is and it does is one, it gives life, it revives the soul, it gives life to the soul. And then second, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Growth. Okay? So life and growth. And we really get both from the Bible. And I might use a metaphor here to describe someone who's malnourished, like we talked about. Someone who's not eating the spiritual food. There might, let's imagine it, there's a table set out, a feast set out before you. And you walk up to this table, there's all this food, but then there's three people lying on the ground and they're all starving. And you see they all need food. And their condition is the same. They're malnourished from not eating. But as you look into it, you start to examine each person. It seems like they're malnourished for a different reason. And so you talk to the first one. And the first one who you go to, you tell them, you know, get up and eat. There's food right here. And they said, I'm not interested. And it would just be too much work. So that's the first person. Second person you go to, look, there's food right here. Get up and eat. And they say, I'm just too weak. I can't hardly lift my arm. Help me. And you do, of course. And then you go to the third person. And this person, you say, look, there's food here. Get up and eat. It looks like they have the strength. But they say, I've had a very rough time. I'm very discouraged. I don't know that it'll do any good. 
So there's three people. They're all malnourished. They're all not eating. And there's different reasons. And really, I base this on uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, I'll read it to you. It says this, We urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. Be patient with them all. So there might be people here who aren't reading the Bible, who aren't daily feeding their soul. There might be different reasons. There might be totally in a different place. And it's important for you, I don't know you, so you're going to have to kind of self-diagnose here if you aren't feeding your soul, if you aren't feeding on the Word of God. Ask yourself why. Which one of these people do I resemble? Because you want to really get it right, right? The guy who's so weak he can't get up doesn't need a kick in the ribs. Get up, you lazy bum, right? That's the wrong thing to do. And the guy who is too lazy doesn't need you to hand feed him because that will feed his, his problem, right? And so I don't know which you are. So you're going to have to think about it. Which one of these describes me or which combination of these? Because really the, this verse is saying there's different things going on, but they have different needs, right? One needs to be admonished. The other needs help. The other needs to be encouraged. And I don't know where you're at. And so I don't want to come across as if you're not reading the Bible, it's only because you're lazy. Or something like that. Because maybe there's a different reason. Maybe there's something else going on. Um, and you need help. You need encouragement. So I'm going to kind of go through those three. And in, try and encourage you wherever you're at. And um, So let's start with the person maybe who needs to be revived. Needs to, be, needs to grow from the word. Needs to digest the bread of the Bible. But maybe they're just... They don't want to put in the hard work. They're not interested they're idle. So here's, here's my encouragement to you. You need spiritual nourishment. You absolutely need it. What are you spending your time on? Is it YouTube, TV, fiction books? You're doing something. You're filling your time with something. And let me ask you this. Are those things feeding your soul? When you eat them, do they feel like spiritual bread that nourishes you, grows you, gives you energy for the day? Or do they feel like spiritual cotton candy? It tastes good, but you don't have energy to get through the day. It's not, it, you're not growing. You're not, it's not giving you life. It's just taking your time and giving you a little bit of entertainment at the moment. And I'll tell you this. The Bible will feed your soul the way TV cannot. Never, never, never. Okay, and one way you know this is imagine, you know, on your deathbed or imagine somebody else on their deathbed. One thing that people don't say on their deathbed is, would you just put in that episode of Friends one more time? No, <laughs> because it's not. It's not, it's empty, right? Um, there's not a, the chaplain doesn't go around or they don't hire somebody to go around and pass out um, DVDs, right, for the dying because it's not a comfort. It's cotton candy. It's fluff. You, you need something substantial. You need something true. You need something life-giving. And that's the Bible. There are many, many people who have been encouraged from the Bible on their deathbed who have said, read me Psalm 23. Read me that one more time. Tell me. Or let me tell you about what God's done for me. That there's real life in the Bible. There's real ability to grow. Now let me ask you this, if you, you know, you're spending all your time on other things, you're not reading the Bible, don't you want to grow? Don't you want to be strong? I mean, it, um, maybe, maybe you're a young man, you want to get married, right? Well, don't you want to be strong enough to protect your wife and your kids and to raise them up and, and to, um, to be a positive influence in their life? You're not going to be strong eating cotton candy all the time, right? You're going to be weak, <laughs> Same with spiritually. You need to be spiritually strong. You need to be able to ingest truth and grow so that you can lead and protect. It's worth it. It takes effort. It's going to be hard, but it's absolutely worth it. Get up and eat. You have the ability. You have the strength. You have the time. It's worth it. Don't you want to do difficult things? I mean, meaningful, life-giving, helpful things in your life. You've got to eat. You've got to grow. You've got to learn. You've got to mature. 
You've got a tool right here. Every day, eat it, little by little. Grow bigger, stronger. You've got the ability. Just look at the time in your life, what you're spending on, and just ask yourself, is this worth it? Is this the way I want to live my life? Is this what I want to do with every day for the rest of my life? Is this where the path I want to be on? If you're a Christian, you do want to grow, right? You do want to be, you do want to be a help to others. You do want to be strong enough to lift up somebody who's weak and, and help carry them through their, through their difficulty spiritually. You don't want to be the person that you, you come into a situation and there's, you have nothing to give because you're too weak yourself. You need to be fed to yourself. Okay? That's my proverbial kick in the ribs. Get up. Get out of bed early. Read the Bible. You have the ability. Okay? But that may not be where you're at. What if you're the second person? What if you're just weak? You're very, very weak. Maybe you're a brand new Christian and the Bible's hard, difficult. You open the Bible, it's not easy. The, reading the Bible is not like reading the newspaper where you read through it once, you've got all the material, you understand it. It takes digging, it takes chewing, it takes work. The difference between bread and cotton candy, you actually have to chew bread, right? In cotton candy, you really don't even hardly have to do anything. You can just put it on your tongue and there it goes down your throat. And yeah, it's easier, but it's not life-giving. And so yes, if you're weak, the Bible's not easy. You need strength, you need courage, you need commitment, but it's worth it. Eat this, eat this, eat this book. It will strengthen you. It will help you. Maybe you feel like, I try to read the Bible and it's just it's so hard to understand. I feel too weak to digest it. Well, I'll tell you this. Here's my encouragement to you if you feel, if you're just weak. You, maybe you're spiritually weak. You feel, you just don't, you're maybe going through something extremely difficult. And you haven't been eating and you're weak. Begin to eat again. Be strengthened. Start Start small. You don't have to start by reading six chapters a day. Read, decide, I'm going to read one chapter. I'm just going to start eating what I can. You know, after people fast, they actually don't eat, they can't eat big meals, they'll get sick. So they start with like small and easily digestible things. And so, in the same with the Bible, don't try and read 12 chapters a day if you haven't been reading at all. Start with one. Try and read one chapter a day. Every day, eat consistently. Eat every day. And here, you know, if you feel like it's hard to digest, it's hard to understand, you might get a good commentary, like Matthew Henry, or uh, I really like J.C. Rowell's commentary on the Gospels. If you struggle, you feel like I read the Bible, I just never get anything out of it, go, you can probably buy it for like three or four dollars used, one of J.C. Rowell's commentaries on the Gospels. Very short, it's only like two pages, maybe take you six minutes to read what he says on a short section. But I think it, it helped me change how I read the Bible. Because I would read the section from, from the Gospels, one small section, and I would ask myself, what did I get from that? And I know that he's going to have two or three really helpful, warm, practical, encouraging things from each section. And, and so I'd ask myself, well, he's going to have something good to say. It's, surely it's here. Let me look for it before I read it. And it really helped me change the way I read the Bible and continue on. Not just read and I'm not sure I got anything today and move on, but to say, no, I know there's something here, some food for me. And he kind of, reading someone who digests and kind of takes the bread apart into bite-sized chunks in some ways and digestible chunks and reading every day. If you read through all those, maybe it would take you a year, maybe, um, if you did one a day. At the end, I do believe that it would be kind of a course on eating. You know how? How can I digest this a little bit better? And it would change how you read the Bible. Maybe that, you need that. And that helped me tremendously. Maybe, you know, if you're a new Christian, you're not sure where to start, read one chapter and ask yourself two questions. What does this teach me about God? And what does this teach me about myself or man in general? Just two questions. And that will help. There's something about God and there's something about man and all and all all the chapters of the Bible. And if you only get one of those, that's good. That's okay. And start with that. God made the Bible so amazing. (laughs) 
It's digestible at whatever stage you're at. You know, it blew me away when I used to teach special ed how I would take kids out who were like the lowest um, in terms of, you know, comprehension on, on different things. But I would say, if they did something wrong, I'd say, is this how you would want so-and-so to treat you? And they would put their head down, no, I wouldn't want them. <laughs> it's like Jesus thing. treat uh, your neighbor the way you want to be treated. Treat others the way you want to be treated. It's so simple. It's so profound that any, it can reach anyone. And that's how the Bible is. God's made it to where it's digestible. I, you feel weak. You don't feel like reading. There's something there for you. Get up. Even if it's just a bite-sized chunk, maybe from a, a J.C. Rao commentary or whatever, begin to eat whatever small bits you can, and you'll, you'll grow. You'll be strengthened. That's my encouragement to the week. It's worth it. You can do it. If you need help, ask for help. Ask somebody else. If, you, if it's not a book that you, you know, you're leaning on, ask, ask a friend. And then the faint-hearted. Encur- encourage the faint-hearted. That was, sorry, I said encourage the weak. I was trying to help the weak. And this is an encouragement to the faint-hearted. Maybe you've been through a difficult time. You're just discouraged. Eat. Take this bread and eat it. Don't give up. It's been hard, but quitting to, read the, quitting to eat is not what you need. You need to keep on eating. I know you maybe feel discouraged from different difficult things going on in your life. You feel, is it really going to matter? And the answer is yes, it's going to matter. This is exactly what you need. This is not the time to quit. This is the time to keep going. It's like when you're running a marathon or you know, a long race, you don't give up at the last mile. That's the time when you really need to press in, you know, and you're going through something difficult, you feel like giving up, don't. This is the time you need you need this food the most. Eat it. Just eat little bits. Continue to eat. Don't get so faint hearted that you stop eating because then you're gonna spiral downward. It will make a difference. And I'll I'll challenge you this. If you feel faint hearted, I'll challenge you like this. So discouraged you feel like giving up even reading. Eat this. Every day, just a little bit, and a week from now, let's talk again and see if you're in the same place, if you feel as faint-hearted and discouraged. Start there. Well, the Bible is wonderful for all. Everyone needs to eat spiritually. Everyone needs spiritual food. I don't know which one of those you might be. If you're not reading the Bible, hopefully you're somewhere in there and you heard something helpful to you. The Bible's amazingly amazing. It's true, right? The amazing one thing that's really amazing is it's true. You know, food, one reason that cotton candy, you know, that illustration of cotton candy isn't exactly the way I'd like it to be is because it doesn't get across the idea that one of the amazing things of the Bible is that it's true. Like when you eat something spiritually that's not true, you don't digest it. It's not good for you. It makes you sick instead of makes you stronger and healthier it gives life one of the reasons that the law of the lord it's perfect it's true and because it's true it can give you life a lie to comfort someone is not food for the soul it's like poison for the soul hurts it doesn't allow you to grow it's perfect it revives the soul gives life and it's and it's sure it makes wise this simple it's digest it eat it grow Get, get true things in your heart, in your life, and press on. We need it, right? There's a lot of lies in our culture, right? Think about, just, just think about two with me before we move on to God's word being a mirror. Think about if you just believe this, this lie that our culture says, sin is not your fault, you're the victim. Sin's not your fault, you're the victim. So you sin, it's like, it's not your fault, you're the victim, your parents, your genes. I saw this t-shirt that said, nature or nurture, either way, it's not my fault. If it's how my parents raised me, or it's my genes, either way, it's not my fault. That's a, that's a lie that will eat you, right? That's food that if you digest that in your soul, and you, you have no responsibility in your life, it's going to eat you inside out. You're going to use that as liberty to do all these things, that sin that eats you from the inside out. 
Whereas the Bible, it's true. Instead, what if you believe the truth that you are responsible, that sin is your fault, but there's a God who loves you and wants to forgive you, wants to change you, and he's there to help you? That's huge. There's two totally different paths. One is true, one's life-giving, one's reviving, one's making you mature. The other one is sucking life. It's making you more, it will make you, it's a key to be more immature, an op, a gate to more maturity. You know, you're fully responsible. Just little things like that. We could go through that. This, we could go through a whole rest of the message just giving little examples like that. But just an example of God's word being perfect, life-giving, growing, as opposed to the other things that we are feeding our souls with. Okay, so that's the first one. What is God's word? God's word is bread because it feeds us. It gives us life, helps us to grow. It's true. Now, God's word is bread because it feeds us. It's a mirror because it reveals us. So let's look at Psalm 19 again and see some, some of this. Psalm 19, 11 through 14. Psalm 19, 11 through 14. By them, God's rules, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God's word is a mirror because it shows us what we're like. It shows us our sins. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Who can discern his errors? It's, it's a rhetorical question. It's very difficult to discern your own errors. We need a mirror to shine truth back upon us, to look in it and to see what we're really like, to see Christ, to see Job, to see David, and to see how when a good example that we can see, wow, this is not what I'm doing. To see God's law, to see what we ought to be doing, to know that we're not doing it. We need a mirror to look back at ourselves, and that's what God's word is. You know, Jesus makes this very clear. He says this in Matthew 7, 2 through 5. He says, With the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The Bible daily shows us who we are. Jesus is very clear. Our responsibility, first and foremost in the world, is to make sure everybody else is doing the right thing. No. It's to make sure that in our life we're living out what God has said in his word. That we want to take this log out of our own eye before we begin taking specks out of other people's eye. We've got to have God's word as a mirror in our life. If you have it as bread, you know you're you're trying to take it and digest it. You don't have it as a mirror, and you, you know, path that guides you. You're trying to be guided by it, and honey that delights it, delights us. The mirror is essential. Okay, it's absolutely essential because. We've got to start with us. That if you really want to be fed, if you really want to be guided, and if you really want to delight in God's word, you're going to have to be revealed. The sins in your life are going to have to be revealed. The weaknesses in your character are going to have to be revealed. That's essential. It's essential. I'll give you an example. Um, just because this is the stage of life that we're in right now. We read, uh, we read Beauty and the Beast, I don't know how many times, hundreds of times, the Beauty and the Beast book. But it's actually got a pretty good parable of this idea in there. So there's, well, I'm sure a lot of kids have seen Beauty and the Beast, I would think, but maybe not. Um, So if you have, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, that's okay. Um, I think it'll still make sense. But there's a guy named Gaston who is like, thinks he's awesome. He looks in the mirror and he admires himself and he thinks, wow, I'm so great. But he's actually really conceited, really selfish. He does all these evil things. Okay, and so... He has faults, totally unaware of them, and thinks he's awesome. He doesn't understand why everybody doesn't love him, because he thinks he's very lovable, and he sings a whole song about it, which I won't sing. 
Um, <laughs> okay, and then there's the beast, who's almost identical to Gaston in a way, right? He, he's selfish, he's unloving, he, he doesn't care about others, he's very shallow, and, um, but the difference is, somebody comes to the beast and they show him, you're a beast, and they actually literally turn him into a beast, and then they give him a mirror, which is really interesting. So he can see, he looks in this mirror and he sees, I'm a beast. And they start out in the exact same place, right? And so my question to you is, which of those do you want to be? Because you, are, you have sin, right? So you can be one or the other. You can be the guy who looks in the mirror and thinks, wow, I'm doing so good, look at me. You know, I don't know why these, all these people don't appreciate me because look at, look at me, like, I'm awesome. When really you're unaware of your faults, right? Or you could be the beast where you actually hold up the mirror and see, wow, I have faults. But there's hope, right? He has hope that he's going to be different. And it's hard. He's miserable. But in the end, he, he's, he's able to change. He's a, he's a dynamic character, whereas Gaston stays the same throughout the whole thing, and his flaws end up, um, in the end, destroying him. Whereas the beast is miserable, but he sees, man, I've got a problem, and he knows the solution is I need to learn to actually love and care for others. And that's how I can be, become not a beast anymore. But it's miserable, right? And there's a scene in, in there where he looks and he tries to dress up and he's just like, I look terrible because <laughs> I'm a beast. And, um, and so it's not easy. But that's the way it is for you. And it's like you get to decide which one of those characters do you want to be. Do you want to go through the difficult path of seeing your own sin but being able to see a way forward to be changed and be aware of your faults? Or do you want to just close it up? That's not, I, don't want to, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see my flaws. I don't want to know about them. We want to be challenged by the Bible. It's huge. We've got to use the Bible as a mirror. That when we read it, it's not just to share some little good thing to another Christian or, or, or whatever every day. It's to actually change, be changed yourself. First to us. First to ourselves. Although it's good to share encouraging things with others. Uh, but we don't want to do that. Just be doing it just to have something to say. We want to actually be changed ourselves. We want it, We want. To grow every day. Think about this. Just every single day, you've got an opportunity to be shown your faults right here between you and God with His Word. Isn't that better? Like, isn't that better than being like the guy who walks around totally unaware of his, all his faults? They're out for everybody to see and, and never grows. I mean, it's hard, but it's so much better than the alternative. Right? If you're if you're a child, you know, would you rather read the Bible, see your problems, get right with God, confess them, maybe even go to your parents and say, like, I'm sorry, I've been acting like this, it's wrong, I want to be different, please pray for me, help me. Or not and just have to be confronted with it. I mean, so maybe your parents have to come to you and say, Hey, look, this, you're doing this, this is inconsiderate, it's wrong, it's immature. That's so much more painful, right, than, than being able to digest it and see it yourself. And there's each one, each day that you read the Bible and you're seeing yourself, it's just a little change, a little change, a little change, and it's a beautiful thing. It's wonderful to be shaped every day over years and years and years, the decision to actually be honest with yourself and to say, for example, you read something and you actually say, that's not how I feel, or I don't, really, I don't really act like that. And just to be honest about it with God, and just to say, God, if I'm honest, well, we could talk even just about, for example, what we've been saying about God's Word. Just open up the Bible, and you tell God, God, if I'm honest, I don't feel like the people in the Bible. I don't feel hungry for your Word. I don't feel like I enjoy it. That's where I'm at. Please help me. That's huge. Just to be honest, just to say it, and ask for help from God, to see it. So we want the Bible to be a mirror in our lives. We want to be changed. We want to be shaped. We want, look at, let's look at the verses here because I'm saying this all and I want to tie it back into the verses because they're very clear. Who can discern his errors? This is verse 12. Psalm 19, verse 12. Who can discern his errors? On your own, you, you can't do it. You need God. You need help. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. He's asking God to help him. God, I actually want to see and know Hidden things. And I want to be changed. I want to be innocent of those. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. 
Let them not have dominion over me. That's the other option, right? If you aren't being shaped and changed and challenged by the word of God, then what you're saying is, rather than being challenged, I'm just going to let sin have dominion. And I'm going to do it by just closing my eyes and not, not being aware of it at all. I'm just going to, I'm just going to not act like it doesn't exist and, and let it basically devour me. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's what we want, isn't it? God, change us, declare us innocent, help us. Okay, let's keep, going. Let's keep moving. God's word is bread because it feeds us. It's a mirror because it reveals us. It's a path because it guides us. So let's start in verse 8, and then we're going to kind of reference those verses we just read as well. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Well, let's start there. God's word is a path because it guides us. Well, basically God's word, it gives us information kind of three, three ways. It gives us where we are. We get to see where we are, this idea of God's word being a path. Where we need to go, and then the danger of uh, getting off the path. The warning of the way that leads to danger. So this really ties in well with the mirror, because it's not just seeing who you are and your flaws. It's God's word is actually showing you the way forward. It's showing you... It's enlightening your eyes to the path that you need to take forward. It's help. I mean, jump ahead to verse 11 here, too. Look at this. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So you see this two parts of the path. It's like, here, don't go here, and do go here. It's both sides. So when God's word is a path, it's the way forward, and it's also the way not to go. Your servant is warned. Warned, don't go this way. And in keeping them, there's great reward. This is the way to go. This is the right way. This is the good way. This leads to good. And, you know, if you think about, it was this idea of the path forward was kind of mixed in the verses we already read because it says, then I shall be blameless and innocent. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. It's your lead, God's leading you somewhere. Where is it? It's to actually be free from those faults through forgiveness and also through a change, and to actually be pleasing to God. That's where we want to go. How should you live your life? Where should you go? God has given you help. He's given you a path forward. He's given you light to see where you're at, where you need to go, where you should not be going. It's a good, it's a good metaphor because there's so much in the Bible about the Christian walk, right? Even Jesus talks about the path, the narrow way. The Christian walk, think about what it's really saying there. It's like the walk is every day a little step forward, a little step forward, a little step forward, a little step forward. You know, it's not the Christian leap forward, you know, or the, I'm sure they don't have pogo sticks, but something like the pogo stick of the Christian life, like big leaps forward. You know, it's just little by little, every single day, step after step after step after step. This is what God has given you. He's given you a path forward. Every single day, that we allow the Bible to shape us, this is the way I'm going to go today and every day. That's huge. Reading the Bible, it's a big deal. This is the path forward. I mean, God is saying, one thing you need is to be fed. And if you read the Bible every day, it seems like such a little thing. Even if you took 15, 20 minutes each morning to read, and, and then maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes to pray, that's huge. The little, I'm convinced that the little things that you do every single day are going to make more difference in your life than these huge decisions over the course of your life. That the path you're taking every day is so important. You know, I've heard this kind of a little bit of a negative feel on this idea that the Bible's God's roadmap for life. You've probably heard that. Sometimes I've heard it kind of negative, like, well, that's not good or something. But it's kind of just a paraphrase of some verses, really. I mean, it says in Psalm 119, Lead me in the path of your commandments. Uh, another thing, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light 
for my path, light to my path. You know, I guess, you know, maybe people are saying God's word is, is a map for life and they're using the map badly. And they think, well, the map, me, the map says um, that I'm just going to be prosperous and God wants me to be rich or something like that. I would say that the problem with that is not saying that God's word is a roadmap for life. It's where they take it, you know. It's like, well, that is not what the map says. <laughs> That's not what the Bible says. But the reality is it, that is pretty true. I mean, God's word is a roadmap for your life. It's not only that. That's not all there is. But that is part of it. God is showing you where he wants you to go, how he wants you to live each day. Let me ask you this here. The problems in your life, you've got problems in your life. Where do you go when you've got a problem? Do you immediately try and fix it yourself? Do you have somebody you go to? Do you Google it? Do you have a, you know, a blog that you read? Or do you go to the Bible? I mean, Spurgeon said that his favorite book other than the Bible was, I think it's Clark's Bible Promises. And it's really, you know, you've seen those Bible Promise books, and all it is is just a list of things. Anger, um, difficulty, envy, jealousy, all these things. And then it's got verses for you. And Spurgeon said that was his favorite book other than the Bible. Because it was... It was basically just full of Bible verses organized for you. What a helpful thing to just open up and say, you know, when I've got a problem, I'm just going to open up the Bible and I'm going to look for help there. That's where I'm going to start. Is that how we, is that what we do? What would, what would that do in our life? What a blessing that would be to just say, look, I'm struggling with this or I'm not sure where to go here. I'm just going to see what the Bible has to say. Is there something? The Bible can help me, teach me. What about our values? I mean, think about this. Part of this idea of the, you know, the God's word being a path is it's showing us where we're going, why we're going there, giving us the value. You know, here's the end goal. This is what really matters. And these other things, they don't matter. How sad would it be to end our life and realize we were on a path and the ending was worthless? That would be so sad to find your goal that you were pursuing was not worth pursuing. And then to find, wow, that actually made me miserable the whole time too. Very sad. We want God's word to inform where we're going, why we're going there, what's valuable each day, each and every day. I mean, we look at Jesus and we want to be like him, don't we? We do. And here we are. God's helped us. He's given us He's going to help us get there. He wants us to. And He's going to help us. Praise the Lord. And then finally, God's Word is honey. It's like honey because it delights us. Bread because it feeds us. Mirror because it reveals us. Path because it guides us. Honey because it delights us. So look at, uh, we've already looked at these verses, but let's look at them again from that angle. Psalm 19, 8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Rejoicing the heart. And then, 1910, more are they to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. God's word is not only bread, it's not only a path, it's not only a mirror to reveal us, it's actually delightful. It's wonderful that if we're going to make it through the Christian life, we've got to get there, we've got to get to where we delight, delight in God's word, where it's not... Brussels sprouts, you know, it's like, well, it's good for me, but I don't like it. It's actually wonderful. Even when, even the difficult parts, even though God's word takes some chewing, it's not like cotton candy, even though God's word shows us our sin, even in that, it's honey. We're glad. We're glad to be shown our sin. We're glad to be, so we know it now, so we can repent, so we can move forward, so we can be a better husband, be a better dad, be be a better friend, be a better pastor. We're thankful. And even though it's hard, and it's not, it's not the easiest book in the world. It's not easy to be shown your faults. We're thankful for it. It's a delight. It shows us God. How wonderful is it just to see, look, here's what God is like, and God is good. He loves you. He cares for you. He's good. He's faithful. He, he's, he's always with you. It's a delight. Do you delight in the Bible? 
take some time, you know, this week. Maybe you are pursuing these other things, but you don't take time just to sit and to read and delight. And I'm going to close with kind of two short. Uh, one is just a quote from um, Spurgeon, and it's about Psalm 23. It's really good. Just think about how delightful the Bible is. This is specifically about Psalm 23, but it could, could be said about the whole Bible, really, this quote. The, the wonder and the amazing truth of the goodness of the Bible, okay? This pilgrim, the, God's word, has been sent to speak in every language on the globe. It has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It has remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts and more black doubts and more thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their grief, of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have visited... Sorry, I skipped a line here. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner. It has broken his chains and like Peter's angel led him forth in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master and consoled those whom dying he left behind mourning not so much that he was gone as that they were left behind and could not go to. Nor is its work done. It will go on singing to your children and my children and to their children through all the generations of time. Nor will it fold its wings till the last pilgrim is safe and time is ended. Then it shall fly back to the bosom of God whence it issued and sound on mingled with the sounds of celestial joy which make heaven musical forever. What a wonderful thing. I mean, just how sweet the Bible is in a thousand different circumstances. And then finally, just a, a short story that kind of illustrates this. It's kind of, I started with the story about the kid who doesn't eat, and this is kind of the opposite side. It's actually kind of interesting parallel because this is a story um, about Joan Waste. She was uh, in England um, in the 1550s, and she was blind. Okay? So, I'll read just little bits and pieces here. Even though she was totally blind, Joan Waste made her way through the streets of Derby, rain or shine, holding out a small book. She handed it to a prisoner and said, Please, can you read to me today? What chapter would you like to hear? The man answered, smiling. Locked in debtor's prison with never a visitor besides Joan, had, Joan he had little else to do. Although Joan was born blind, she was never idle. When she was little, she helped her father make rope. Later, when she was 12, she learned to knit socks and sleeves and began practicing and practicing until she knitted very well. During the reign of King Edward, churches began to offer readings from the Bible in English instead of only in Latin, and Joan went to church daily to hear the word of God, and it dramatically changed her life. She had a tremendous desire to understand the scripture and have it printed in her memory. Even though she was blind and could not read, the New and New Testaments were exceedingly expensive, she decided to get one of her own. Since she was from a poor family, it took her a long time to save enough money to buy one. Then Joan had to find someone who would read it to her. And that's when Joan met John Hurt, who agreed to read her a chapter a day. On days when he was too sick to read, she would pay others to read to her. Joan had an unusually good memory, and she became very familiar with the Bible. By the time she was 22, she could repeat many entire chapters by heart. And so I'm going to skip a little bit ahead, but basically um, this, there was some freedom at this time, but then later on uh, there's this back and forth between the Catholics and the Protestant, and, and during Queen Mary's reign, laws were passed making it illegal to own a Bible in English. And Joan was brought before the bishop because of her beliefs and charged with heresy and put in prison. She was questioned again and again, and finally she said, I cannot forsake the truth. And uh, in the end, she was burned at the stake for um, first sand. And this is what she said. She knelt down praying, and she said, please pray for me. And then, the ex then they 
lit the flames. That's the last thing she said. But I thought that was a good, um, kind of a good way to end it because it's the opposite, right? Showing, showing the God's word is bread, right? She literally gave up, you know, um, a ton of money to buy a Bible that she couldn't even read. She had to pay other people to read it to her. And uh, that's how valuable it was to her. That's what we want to be like. We want to value the Bible. You've got one. Many probably. Use it. Read it. Memorize it. Eat it. Be shown your your faults and, and deal with them. Don't just sweep it under the rug. Be guided forward. We want to be different. And delight in it. It's good. It's wonderful. Think about think about this. I'll just leave you this final thought. Think about the cross in terms of all these, right? Jesus. Because all these really are good representation of Jesus, right? You, we could have gone through this. Probably this would have been good. Maybe one day we could do this. But read through just a section of Jesus' death on the cross and see how all this is true, right? Jesus is the bread that we feed on. Through God's word, we, we know who he is. And we eat his body, his bread. He, he's the bread of life. And we have life. And yet, he's also a mirror that shows us our faults. It shows how far we fall short. And he shows us the way forward through his blood, through trusting him. And it's a delight. It's honey to read. It's, Tim Keller has a quote. He says that the cross is this kind of showing that it's a mirror that reveals our sins, but it's also honey that delights us. The cross shows us that we're worse than we ever imagined but we're more loved than we ever hoped. It's both. <laughs> it's honey. But it's also hard. It's not easy. There's life there. There's a way forward. We want to be changed. Look at Christ. See yourselves. See where you are. And see how you can move forward in, in faith. In faith in Him. So, why don't we pray here together? Lord, we do just thank you for your word, for the Bible. And we don't want to be malnourished. We want to be fed and we want to be strong. We want to be servants ready for every good work. We want to serve you and be like you and be with you every day. And we need food. And so would you help us as we read the Bible this week? Would you feed us? Would you reveal sins? Would you show us a way forward? Would you just delight our hearts in you? We need help. We do pray for people that don't have Bibles, and we pray you'd get Bibles to them. If there's anything we can do to help, Lord, show us that too. Thank you that you've given us your word to speak to us. Thank you for all the saints you've comforted. In the past, thank you for for our kids that they're going to have God's word. Pray you'd protect that liberty here in our country and we just hand it to you god hand our lives to you hand the world to you and we trust you amen